Welcome to Art of the Float, where float centers thrive, our weekly podcast where we share our stories of starting and running our float centers. We love it when you join us as we work together to raise our education level on building, marketing, and running our float centers. You can find us at Art of the Float on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and artofthefloat.com to find show notes, links, pictures from every episode. Also, uh, click around to the other tabs to uh, be able to find previous episodes, consulting information, our Patreon, photo gallery, all that stuff that uh, is designed to help you uh, with your float center. We've got another week that Amy is gone, which is just uh, crushing me because I have barely talked to her at all during this time. Um, But what I've seen over social media is that it seems like she's making progress. It's still moving forward. Uh, The doors haven't closed, which is exactly what I want to see. So uh, it seems like things are going well, Uh, but we don't have the full picture just yet, so hopefully she'll be able to join us next week, if not that, uh, then the week after that. So uh, our thoughts are with Amy again as she's struggling and just pushing through all the barriers to make sure that she can open Flow Alchemy, her second float center. I'm Dylan. Well, gosh, I always want to say I'm one of your co-hosts. I am your host this evening. I own the float shop in Portland, Oregon uh, with my wife, Sandra Calm. And Brian, behind the scenes, is uh, also working the engineering board. So thank you, Brian. Before we get started, I want to give a thanks to the float conference. It's officially summertime, which means it is actually time to start thinking about the float conference. August 18th and 19th this year. Uh, Visit Portland. Amazing. Should be beautiful weather and meet everybody in the industry. It is an absolute amazing time every single year, and I don't see any reason why this won't be just an even bigger, better float conference than all the ones before it. Get to start in on new collaborative projects with people. Get to make friends that you're going to have for the rest of your lives. It's really incredible, the the community that is the float conference, along with just absolute incredible in-depth information. It's really an event. It's something very special, unique. There's nothing else like this in the industry. And you get to put a face to people in the industry as well, the people that you know in the float collective or just know... Um, Occasionally, maybe across across town, maybe you know of them or you've met them once or twice, you actually get to spend some time with them and um, perhaps even share a drink. So floatconference.com is where you want to go and check it out to learn more about the events, speakers, get tickets, all that stuff to make sure that you uh, make it this year. And I'll see you there as well. I'll certainly be at the Portland Float Conference. I'm really excited to bring our guest on in just a little bit here. Uh, we have... Hilary Sadovic of Float STL. She actually gave a speech at the RISE conference uh, just a few months back. Has it been that long yet? And I was quite inspired by it. I really liked it. Um, It's about altruistic business practices, but not just being good for good sake, or (laughs) certainly that can be your motivation. Uh, That's great, and it probably should be. But also, like, we can't just be volunteers all the time. We need to make money. We do run a business. And so she's going to talk about what she knows and what inspires her about being an altruistic business and also um, using that to your benefit as a business for bringing in clientele as well. So basically boosting your bottom line. So that's something I want to know about. And my assumption is that a lot of you want to know about that as well. Just a quick, quick little thing here. Um, something I learned, well, actually I relearned today is that inline heaters generally are not designed for saltwater pools, let alone float tanks. So we are having an issue with our floatarium. This is an old 90s tank where I've redone everything, put in an inline heater. I've actually uh, written one or two blog posts about this inline heater. I really love it. It's a Coats. It's a beast. 
but the uh, temperature seems to be going wrong. And so they, uh, my employees are constantly hitting the reset button on this guy, and we're getting the tank up to temperature, but it's constantly thinking it's 120 degrees and cutting its own heat off so that it doesn't um, hurt people, which is awesome that it thinks it's doing a good job, but really it's only 94.5 degrees. So I'm trying to figure out what the issue with this is. I know the warranty is void, but I want to know, you know, is it a circuit? Is it a loose wire? Why is it reading this wrong? Why is the thermometer incorrect? So that's what I've been trying to troubleshoot through uh, this week. So that's kind of my, my little story when you're doing your own builds, just know that this this is the kind of stuff that comes comes up. And by all means, like give it to me. I am a do-it-yourselfer. I love doing it this way. But uh, it also means I get really stressed out at times. This one in particular happened at the exact same time that another float tank had an issue. Literally, while I was working on this tank, we started getting a communication issue with our Nautilus float tank, which is silly timing, but in the moment, it was just like, oh God, we're about to open and we have two tanks that are not functional. Why does it have to be like this? So uh, part of me loves it. Part of me lives for it. And the other part of me just wants everything to go smoothly day to day. So uh, yeah, anywho. Oh, speaking of which, wow, mm, I didn't even intend for this beautiful segue, but uh, that might be why you want to get a manufactured float tank like the Escape Pod or the Earth or the Affiliate. EscapePodTank.com is where you want to go to learn about these tanks that are made for a float center, that are designed for these things. They're also uh, incredibly affordable. Float tanks are as expensive as cars, I usually tell people, which means they can get as expensive as you want. But getting a $9,000 car would be rather difficult. They actually start at $8,900, and that's with the smaller escape pods. But again, they have the larger Earth and Affiliate float tanks, which are absolutely awesome. And again, we'll put a link in for Jeremy's commercial, which I found personally hilarious. And you want to go to escapepodtank.com to get these funky, awesome float tanks and also get in contact with Jeremy. I'll say it one more time. Uh, you get a relationship when you buy a float tank, even used. You're getting into a relationship with the company that manufactures it, and Jeremy is somebody that's going to treat you well and be incredibly responsive. EscapePodTank.com is where you want to go. All right, I am so excited to bring on our guest. I've got Hilary Sedovic here. Welcome to the show. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing all right. Thanks for inviting me. Yes, absolutely. I was so inspired by your speech at Rise. It was uh, absolutely wonderful, and it appealed to... Me particularly, I think, because I come from uh, starting a business, kind of wanting to give away everything for free, bending over backwards for people, kind of that side of things, as opposed to I went to school for business, so this is what right. I wanted to do, um, or I, I came in here to make a lot of money. By all means, I thought I thought I was still going to make a lot of money, but, uh, <laughs> but I came from the angle of, of the maybe more altruistic, something something to that effect. But what I loved is that you totally... Seem like you come from there as well, yet you also came from the other camp of this can be good for your business as well. And right. um, that speech inspired me quite a bit. So I am I wanted to invite you on to talk about that a little bit more so we can share that with, with the rest of the float community. But before we really get into the meat and potatoes of that, I'd love for our audience just to, and personally, to get to know you a little <laughs> bit better and find out maybe why we should be trusting you at all with all this information. <laughs> and uh, maybe we could start with uh, just... Maybe your, your education level and then how you got into floating and, and working at Float STL. Yeah, for sure. Um, so 
Most recently, I earned my master's degree in social work at the Brown School at Washington University in St. Louis, which is a really confusing name, as I found <laughs> last year at Rise when I was driving uh, Graham and Ashcon around, and they're like, wait, Washington University? Yeah. Is that? And I'm like, no, no, that's just, that's just us. Um, but anyway, so I got my master's degree in social work there. Um, I specialized in management in that program, which can come as a surprise for some people because... Um, for the most part, people seem to have had interactions with social workers in more clinical settings. They think of hospitals, oh. you know, maybe um, division of youth services or children's division. Um, but really, social workers have a very eclectic and generalist skill set um, that, you know, deals with systems thinking and people in their environments and understanding that all of it really interacts and affects life outcomes. And so... One of the uh, perks of attending the Brown School is that they allow you to individualize your program. So pretty much if you can argue for <laughs> what you want to learn, yeah. if you can defend it, they'll let you do it. Cool. And so um, I kind of formed my own curriculum around developing, implementing, and evaluating preventative programs. Um, and so that was fantastic. Plus there is a track uh, learning about social entrepreneurship. And okay. so... Prior to that course, while I thought that I would end up in a management role somehow in the nonprofit world, that social entrepreneurship course was really what sparked something in me that I didn't quite know was there. Um, and really a big part of that was my professor being fantastic and really encouraging us to stretch ourselves further than what people would expect of us. Um, there's nothing like and, a passionate teacher. Oh, I love hearing absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yes, he's he's fantastic. His name is Joe Steensma. Um, and so he he himself also, he's a businessman. He's not a social worker. So that's like an extra credit oh, on his okay. part. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so I completed my degree there in 2015. Um, and prior to that, had a background working in acute behavioral health in a hospital setting. Um working across age demographics from adolescence all the way to geriatric. Um, so that was a very different setting from where I ultimately ended up. And post-grad, I was really trying to find what I thought would be a good fit for me. And it, it seemed, as you know, I kind of mentioned in my presentation at RISE, that there wasn't quite a pre- prescribed role available mm. that made sense to me mm -hmm. um, and for what I was hoping to do, which honestly, I wasn't entirely sure what it was I wanted to do. Sure, I sure. just knew the skills that I had and what I wanted to be able to put into the world. Um, and so I continued my work at the hospital and I had also in the meantime been floating. So Float STL was the first float center in the state of Missouri in the modern era um, right. in 2015. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and I had first come across mention of them. I, I swear to this day that there was some random brochure in the restaurant next door to the first location that just said, want to float? And I was like, what the heck is this? I could not even wrap my mind around what that might possibly <laughs> be. Like cool. I'm picturing this, like, I don't even know, like football size, football field size, you know, like pool with everyone. In, I had no idea. <laughs> I'm awesome. like, what is this? So I, I looked it up and kind of tried to understand a little more. And then I kept an eye out for when they would be opening. And so 
they opened, uh, I think it was about mid-February of 2015. My birthday was just a few weeks later. I decided to treat myself. Um, and I really didn't know quite what to expect. Um, so I, I went with an open mind, yeah. as I, I encourage people to do. Mm -hmm. And I don't quite remember my full experience in the tank, but <laughs> I do know that afterward I felt really good. Um, and even more so... It was the next day at my work at the hospital, which, especially being in behavioral health, things can get a little chaotic. Sure. Um, I experienced things that normally would kind of put me on edge, and I, like, you know, they happened anyway, and I was just kind of like, mm. nice. nice. <laughs> and for me, that was the light bulb of, yeah. oh, wow, <laughs> this floating is really something. Like, that's a big difference for me. I, I need to explore that further. Like, cool. how long right. can I keep this going? And so I um, I looked up the schedule. I went on the schedule, and I was like, maybe I can get in, like, next week again. But there happened to be something available that night. Nice. So I was like, well, I'm not doing anything. Literally the next <laughs> so, night? <laughs> wow, interesting. So I went back out there um, and floated that evening. Um, and again, had a great experience. And then after that was floating every couple of months because I was a full-time student and a part-time <laughs> yeah. part employee and doing, mm. um, you know, the internship that was associated with my grad program. Oh, wow. So I was quite busy. Um, so I kind of was keeping up a relationship with floating and also with Kevin and Jake. And mm. so... By the time the I graduated, the yes, sorry, yes, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so I kind of, like I said, kept that up. And after about a year or so of not quite finding the right fit for me, I happened to come in and float at the second location, um, which had just opened. And then on the first of the year, I came in again, and Kevin and I were chatting. And a couple days later, he emailed me and was like, hey, have you ever thought about, or would you be interested in wow. joining the team? And I was like, I've never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just, it had never quite cost, crossed my mind other than the perks of being able to float right, you know, right, sure. even more often. And, and what did that mean to you? I mean, was it like, yeah. okay, I'm going to be uh, cleaning rooms and giving introductions right. or right off the bat? I mean... You probably wouldn't have thought of it in the first place if that's what it was with your expertise right. or your education. Yeah, I think, I mean, we had had several conversations where I knew we were coming from similar books, so to say, you know, being on the same page. Sure, um, okay. Nice. Coming, coming from behavioral health. Um, okay. For those, you know, those of the audience who aren't aware, you know, Jake and Kevin both previously worked in behavioral health as well. They were licensed professional counselors. Um, and I think we really connected on that level and our understanding of what floating could provide for people and the way that we treat people um, and in the interactions that we have and how we really respect those interactions and the power that they can have. And so when he invited me to join the team, I think it was also something of like, I need to shake up my life right now. <laughs> um, what I was doing at the hospital was not really utilizing my skill set to the best ability either. Sure. And so I was like, you know, like, let's kind of see what this might look like at Float STL. Um, I started off kind of interning and I was very transparent from early on. I was like, I am in a job search right now. 
you know, I want to hang out with you guys. Like, let's just see what happens. And they were like, yeah, cool. Whatever works for you. And I'm like, okay, as long as you really mean that. Um, so, um, and pretty quickly I, you know, then was working part-time and then as I was there more, Part-time, um, like in the facilities, like yes, truly the giving correct. intros and, and yes, rooms. Yes, yes. I was working, you know, about know 20 to 25 to hours, correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that, the meantime there, I was really starting to reflect on what this could be. Um, because it wasn't that only then had I started thinking about uh, access to floating for populations that otherwise mm. wouldn't mm-hmm. have that access. You know, that had come to mind before because I loved everything about floating. I loved everything that Float STL did and the culture that they brought. Mm-hmm. Um, my one qualm was not everyone can pay $65 to lay in water for 90 minutes. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's a luxury. And you know, be- before yeah, go ahead. We continue with that. And obviously I definitely want to talk about that. Can we talk about, you mentioned the, the feel and the culture at float STL. Can you yeah, tell me about that? Cause I've never actually stepped foot in their facility. Yeah. I've only heard about it. Hmm. There's a <laughs> lot to say about it. Please. Um, I'd say, so a big part for me, a big part of what drew me to work at float was not only my interactions with them from a guest level, but then also the way they interacted with me as a potential employee, um, our org culture and supporting and supporting our employees is incredibly strong and loving and welcoming and supportive and empowering. And that was expressed to me from very early on in a way that felt very authentic mm-hmm. and has proven to be authentic. Cool. Um, in that when I did say, I want to do this full time with you guys. And if I'm going to do that, this is what I want to be doing, Mm -hmm. which was, you know, I want to find ways for our community, all of our community to be able to float. And they said, cool. What can we do to help you? Nice. And so that has continued to ring true um, throughout this, not just in my experience, but in other of our team's experience as well. So that's a big part of the culture. And I think as well, you know, as a, a guest coming into the space, we really work to treat every float experience, no matter how many times this person has floated with us as something that could be life-changing. And recognizing too that every time they walk through the door, they might be bringing something different with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And really just holding space for people and what they need and not pushing our own needs or being intrusive um, and I think really that's partly where some of that behavioral health background comes in of recognizing too, you know, um, people, well, in, in the nonprofit world, at least trauma informed care is a big buzzword and maybe that is elsewhere as well. Um, but I think that a lot of that comes into it as well. When you recognize you don't quite know what people are bringing with them. Sure. And so we treat everybody with immense care. Awesome. Yeah. I uh, know that that isn't a term familiar to me other than that makes a ton of sense to me, like yeah. right out, right out of the gate. Like you have to, with what we're doing, with what we're facilitating, that makes a ton of sense. Um, I wanted to ask about how you, uh, something that came up with me recently was employees talking about only a small percentage of people 
are going to have a life-changing mm-hmm. experience due to floating. Or mm-hmm. even a, a, a large percentage of people are never going to float again. This is their mm-hmm. bucket list. You know, they mm-hmm. crossed it off. They're moving on. And how that can kind of wear on a person after a certain amount of time. How do you make sure that mm-hmm. you are able to enthusiastically hold space for, I don't know how many floats are in each of the, the spaces, but mm-hmm. probably four to six <clears throat> excuse me, float tanks. How do you mm-hmm. make sure four people coming in for the first time are able to um, have the same experience, you know, after working there for a year and, and going yeah. through hundreds and hundreds of people's <clears throat> introductions? Yeah, I think um, it's definitely, for me, it's a mindset thing mm-hmm. of trying to put myself there every time. And I'm not saying that it's perfect, of course, every time, because we are also bringing our own stuff with us every day. Mm. Um, but... I think, you know, we're very mindful of body language, of what they've shared with us or not shared, Mm. um, or the way that they've shared it. And I know personally for me then in my orientation, you know, we spent how long it rides, maybe an hour talking about giving orientations. Um, but, um, just recognizing, you know, do I need to spend more time on this section? Like, how do their eyes look right now? Like, did Mm. did their eyebrows go up when I showed them the lid of the pod? Let me spend a little (laughs) more time. Right, right. (laughs) Let me spend a little more time with them. Um, And also also recognizing that not everybody is interested or willing um, or able to go to that more spiritual, Mm. reverent place with it. Mm. Um, You know, so I'm not going to bring someone in and be like, this is the first day of the rest of your life. <laughs> That's great. Um, That's great. But, you know, so there are some people that I can tell, you know, they're just there because, you know, their buddy did it or they heard Steph Curry floats. and Girlfriend's like, dragging me in. Boyfriend's like, dragging great. me in. That's great. Exactly. And so I'm like, you know, for some people I say, just lay in the water. <laughs> I mean, I give them more orientation than that. But um, I, I tell people I, my 85-year-old grandma floated. And she's in a place where her mind is starting to decompensate a little. Um, And so my orientation, I could not give as much as instruction as I normally would. interesting. Because the multi-step instruction was too much for her to actually follow. And I could see her start getting kind of anxious. And she was Mm. like, I just, I I don't think I'm going to do it. Oh, And I said, well, hang on, Grandma. Like, well, it's okay, though. Like, let's, let's figure it out. And I was like, you know what? Take a shower. And then just lay in the water, Grandma. Just cool. lay in the water. And, you know, don't worry about buttons. Don't worry about the lid. Right. And so she did. Cool. And she got out after about 40 minutes. She came through that door, and she was just like, well, that was very nice. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just, you know, she's like, I I, um, I laid there. I, I thought. I prayed. Mm. And I said, oh, wow. great, Grandma. Whatever you needed it to be. I'm happy for you. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's with that, you know, it might not have been this life-changing moment for her, but she laid in some really lovely warm water in which she was incredibly buoyant. And sometimes I think even that can be special for people. Cool. What I hear when you're saying is, uh, A, you're coming from a place of passion. Like you you are passionate about what you're doing and you seem interested in the people like you are paying a lot of attention to who those oh, people yeah. are and you're you're very interested and i think that couples to you being super engaged every every single time you talk to somebody so it's not like you're just going through the same speech every time you are your right. brain is active your soul is active each time that you're 
giving an introduction. It's definitely what I shoot for, yeah. <laughs> right, right. That's, <laughs> that's the ideal. Um, so I tangented, tangented there, uh, which uh, does happen from time to time on this podcast, but uh, you were just about to bridge to um, kind of how your passion was influenced, going to start influencing Float STL. Can please? Sure. Um, So yeah, like I kind of referenced, I I said, you know, if I'm going to do this, this is what I want to be working on. And um, that was one of the things that they were like, yes, this is something that we've been wanting to do, but we don't have the space for it. Hmm. Um. In terms of, you know, like literal, like mental bandwidth, bandwidth. (laughs) time in the day, I mean, all those kinds of things, you know, and I think that's such a reality um, across float centers. And so I'm like, well, I'm here now. (laughs) I'm like, and I would love to do this. Um, I think, you know, absolutely my background in social work leads me there, but also it's just kind of ingrained in me to begin with because um, coming to social work, I say, was one of um, the most aligning things that I've ever done. Mm. Um, Things that I learned in my education, or rather that were presented in my education, made complete sense to me. I was like, oh, well, of course. Like, yes, of course this is how we treat people. Yes, of course Mm. that's how we think of things. Whereas I think there were some other people that, you know, they needed to integrate those concepts a little differently. So I, I felt fortunate that was already part of my being. Yeah. And so, you know, bringing that to float then really, to me, uh, made a lot of sense because of the way that we care so much for people already and understand the power of floating. And so to then connect those, um, you know, I, I feel like as well as float center operators and employees and owners, a lot of us come to this space wanting to serve people. Um, And I think, you know, what I spoke about at Rise is how it's really not too big of a step to be more intentional about how we're serving our whole community. Um, So when it comes to Float STL, there are a few things that we've been working on. It's absolutely been a journey. Um, and really we're in the very beginning steps of it. Okay. Um, what I've learned, not just with float, but also I, um, I do also work part-time for a consulting firm locally Okay. and we serve nonprofits and faith-based organizations, um, doing anything from grant writing to evaluation reports, everything. And so a lot of what I've learned is when it comes to partnering and serving people, mm-hmm. I mean, it's about relationship building. Okay. Um, in order to build something that's going to truly do what you you are aiming for, and also be sustainable, um, even past you know if those original key players leave, you want your program to sustain. Right. Um, the most important part, as I have learned, has been true relationship building, hmm. and so. As much as we would love for things to be happening, you know, the next day, the next week. Oh, yes. Okay. Sometimes it's, it really has been so far a lot of seed planting. You know, uh-huh. it's about um, emails, phone calls, uh-huh. uh, joining in-person meetings, you know, staff meetings, telling staff about floating, um, having the staff then come in and float. And then the next step is to then 
have a discussion with staff about, you know, your clients, Hmm. how, how do you see your clients best benefiting from this and what is going to be non-intrusive to your current programming? Um, Like we want this to enhance your client's life (laughs) and yours. (laughs) We don't want to burden you by, by doing this. So, um, Elle, Elle spoke right before. Yeah. She, she's a yoga teacher who works with uh, different demographics other than uh, wealthy, middle-aged white women. Uh, right. It was a, a theme that occurred throughout her speech. So you aren't going out to yoga centers that appeal mm-hmm. to middle-aged white women with a, a lot of money. How Who are you targeting and how do you mm. determine who you're targeting? Yeah, so... St. Louis is an incredibly diverse community and also one that has a long history of um, struggle and pain and oppression. Okay. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of media attention in, over that in the past few years with the killing of Mike Brown and um, amongst a lot of other unrest as well. Okay. And so that is, I, I'm born and bred in St. Louis, so that's a big piece of my heart and another reason why I was so passionate about serving our community through Float STL. Um, and so being intimately familiar with the struggles of our whole community, um, I wanted to find ways to reach out to populations that would, I, th- I feel, normally be overlooked by our services. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, um, we had had previously a sp- budding relationship with a local organization called Mission St. Louis. Um, and they serve a whole lot of people. They've been evolving over the years and they do great work. Um, but one of the programs they do is called Jobs and Leadership Training. And it serves previously incarcerated men um, in job training services. They mm-hmm. place them as well in like apprenticeships cool. and help them gain employment. Um, especially, right, so... Um, most people, if you have a history of a felony, if you have to check that box when you're applying for employment, you're not even going to be interviewed. Right. Um, and a lot of evidence points to, you know, gainful employment and housing as um, protective factors for uh, recidivism or rather against recidivism, returning back to prison. Um, I guess that was kind of redundant, returning back, but, um, you know, keeps them from returning to prison. I'm with so, you. <laughs> and so... Um, also recognizing that people who commit crimes, um, more frequently have a history of trauma, um, you know, based on lives of poverty or, and, or abuse, neglect, um, living in communities that have a lot of violence, um, that wears on a person. Um, I could, we could take a tangent here on the idea of toxic stress. If you're familiar with, I I did talk about that a little bit with ACEs, adverse childhood experiences in my, um, talk, but I'm, I'm really going now here. This is, can you tell this is my soapbox? Um, (laughs) but, um, a lot of really strong research has pointed to particular, traumatic childhood experiences being correlated with long-term life outcomes in adulthood, anywhere from, you know, heart conditions to, um, 
life expectancy to risk of developing, you know, other kinds of chronic diseases, including pain. Um, and so recognizing that this is this grand system, well, it's a really terrible system, but, you know, this large scale right. system that I'm is all you. interacting, um, you know, realizing the role of that floating can play in that. You know, while I'd love to move upstream, as prevention folks like to say, um, and get to people before trauma even affects their lives, um, you know, when we can recognize that the way that toxic stress is you know, really wearing people down, literally wearing their bodies down, if there's a way that we can help bring that a little closer to that baseline, such that they aren't constantly living in this state where you know their stress hormones are running at this high state in that fight or flight, um, that's where floating can make such a difference to yeah. me. So tying this yes, back to yes. then our our previously incarcerated individuals, um, you know, we we have no idea what they've experienced. You know, they can tell us, um, but sure. we can guess based on some of their stories what might have led them to where they are and some of their current struggles. And so mm. to me, if we can help introduce elements of mindfulness into their lives, um, places of peace mm -hmm. and quiet and connection, um, that, that is so powerful to me. And so one of the things that Mission St. Louis does through this program as well is that they assign their participants mentors um, many of them are previous participants in the program, oh, so cool. they can identify, you know, with each other's stories. Right. And our hope is that, um, at least to start, we can have the mentors using floating as an activity to bond with their mentees. Awesome. So, you know, while my pie in the sky idea is, you know, we have this cohort of mentees who are floating once a week for three months and we're doing pre and post surveys and all this great oh, wow. stuff. Yeah. You know, that's, that's where my mind wants to go sure, sure. and where I'd love for us to eventually get. It's also a reality that we have to start somewhere. And right. so, yes. Yes. um, at this time, you know, we've been working on that relationship building. Um, Jason Watson, who is the director of that program, is a champion for floating in his office. He comes in, um, you know, he's been several times and he's brought his wife and he's brought his friend. Awesome. And this is good. This is good. <laughs> exactly. And he's, he's brought one of his past mentees. Oh, and okay. so while I would have loved for this to be, you know, this up and running program, it's, I think, you know, it involves people. And we recognize people in their environments have a lot going on, as we all do. Mm -hmm. um, and to add one more element is not always going to make the most sense until they realize, you know, this is how it fits in my life. Okay. I, and, it, and it needs to be in my life. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, one thing I, I'm... This, I promise this isn't too much of a tangent, but um, I would highly encourage you to listen to our latest Dr. Feinstein episode if you haven't, uh, because he does talk about, or, or at least, um, or read his latest paper, uh, just because what you described sounds exactly like what floating, like what you see floating doing to people is measured. That is what is Yeah, happening. exactly. Yeah, cortisol uh, levels are reduced after floating. Right. Yeah. Uh, people's anxiety levels, their just uh, other other kind of negative feelings, 
if you have extremely high negative feelings, all come back down to what, you know, regular population stress levels are or or whatever the metric is. And I find that absolutely amazing. And it's just to, to us in the industry, it's like, yes, I know. (laughs) Right. But I was like, look, it's been recorded, documented. And it's like Western science. You can see this, uh, which means a lot more people listen to it. Um, but uh, so you were, you are talking about uh, outreach to these other organizations, mm-hmm. and you also mentioned that it all needs to click together for them. Like they're they're busy people; yes. they are spinning plates. Uh, and as entrepreneurs listening to the show, we get what it's like to be incredibly busy, so we can totally empathize with them. My question to you is: yes. How do we sk- spin that extra plate and develop yeah. those relationships and take those to the next level? When we're already like, oh my God, what mm-hmm. is the next advertising campaign we're doing? Oh my God, a pipe burst. I mean, uh, hiring, firing, all the stuff that we're doing. How do we integrate that into our business? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say being okay with starting small. And that's mm. something that I have to tell myself constantly because as as we've discussed we are both very excitable people so <laughs> i i want to serve the world yep, yep. but um <laughs> but i am realizing you know i think it makes the most sense for each of us to recognize what relationships we already have mm. um and or things that are most important to us and to our float centers. Um, Because I think when it comes to those needs for relationship building, um, we need champions on both sides. So I can speak for myself. If I, if my heart is not in the partnership that I'm trying to form, I'm not going to be the best champion for it. I'm not going to keep pushing for it to happen. Now, if it's something that's in my heart, I'm going to do my dangdest to make it happen. And so I think that's one thing. So finding, making it easy on yourself, you know, give yourself a little love, a little grace and say, you know, if you know, for example, you know, this seems to be a, a frequently served population veterans if you have a strong veteran population in your area, um, figuring out who is already serving them, um, how can you get something going with them? And it might even start with just that outreach. So we do, um, Florida STL does free floats for veterans every second Wednesday of the month. Nice. Um, and even that, we're not booked all day. Sure. You know, it's, it's an awareness thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But... Because we served some veterans that way, and we had a previously floating veteran, this woman um, is part of a support group for women veterans through the VA. They do little outings together, you know, try new things. She had her, uh, the coordinator of the group, contact us, said, can we all come to your float center? And so in that way... um, you know, they came to us, which has also been very interesting, you know, and we can't just sit and wait necessarily for people to just be like, I want to do this. And we're like, yeah, of course, come in. Like, that's lovely. But 
you know, otherwise we're just going to be sitting and waiting for it to happen. I will say it is kind of amazing how many conversations do pop up. Just, I say around the foot bath, we have this little foot bath and, you know, we're given an introduction and you'll find out who these people are floating and like how on the same page you are, like giving those intros and, and I guess outtake, you know, when they come out, it is amazing how many relationships can be kindled from just those little interactions. And I'd say as well, then, you know, when you, when you see those things, you know, hold on, follow right. up. Yeah. Um, you know, so we had that women's group come in and we did, we set up things to be um, geared toward them. So we put out a full, I think we blocked out four hours. We do 90 minute floats, um, two block or two hour blocks per, um, mm-hmm. and they had 10 people come in. We have five tanks at Maryland Heights location. Okay. And so um, there are some women that were like, I don't really know how long I want to be in there. Like, I might not sure. like it. Yeah. And so versus feeling like we had to put them all in at one o'clock and then get them out at, you know, 2.35. Um, instead, you know, someone got out, we ran the filter, we put someone yeah. else in and they all got to, we didn't have anyone else coming into the space. You know, we didn't yeah. lock the door, but they had the space to do what they needed. Sure. And that proved to be really important in um, nurturing that relationship and really being mindful of uh, providing space for them. So I say that, you know, realizing that, you know, I didn't do any pre-post survey, though I wish I had. Um, but I do see that. But it's we baby have, steps, like you said. I mean, just, right. But course, we have women. <laughs> we have women from that group, though, who continue to come float. Awesome. Every second Wednesday of the month. Cool. And Very if they cool. hadn't, and if they hadn't come with that group, they might not know. Yeah. Um. So I'd say start small. See what you have. Um. Who do you know? What relationships do you already have? You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, reaching out to groups who are already accessing mindfulness activities, yoga, wellness. Um, hopefully, you know, in a, in a way, uh, you know, vulnerable populations are being served in my ideal, you know, making sure that we're reaching out to folks who wouldn't otherwise have access, mm-hmm. um, you know, and saying, Hey, like, what if you all came in? We'd love to have you. I think, you know, taking those small steps cool. is probably going to be most effective in the beginning. One thing that I really liked about your presentation was, uh, again, kind of, marrying the altruistic portion and the business savvy portion of the business. Cause you do have to, we have to pay rent, right? Um, right. So there is a certain amount of risk for two days out of the month to make no money. Uh, mm-hmm. So is there a spin to that, that they're able to use to make money off of that? Is it hundred percent altruistic or is there some marketing that goes, Hey, look at what we're, look at what we're doing. Um, that helps you guys look good. So I'd say we haven't really done much intentional marketing past, you know, every time that second Wednesday is coming up, we post something saying like, hey, tag somebody if you know someone who might be interested in floating. I like that. That's great. Um, And also, you know, other people can float that day as well. It's just that veterans can float for free that day. Cool. So, you know, it's not all, you know, profits lost for the day. Correct. Got it. Um, And I think... You know, as something that I touched on in my presentation was um, how more people are really looking for social value in the businesses where they choose to put their money. Mm-hmm. Um, so while we might not be doing 
super intentional marketing around like, look at all these veterans we've served. Um, I, I frequently see people commenting like, wow, thank you for doing this. Um, you know, did, you know, tagging their friend, did you know that float STL does this, you know, and, and things like that, you know, while, while we might have not see immediate tangible benefit, Mm -hmm. I think that it's there, you know, it's generating. And so I think that's another thing, um, which is, I'm sure really hard to hear, especially as a small business owner, because you, you you like the money is a daily thing. So like the the sooner you can see the effect, the better. But I think that, you know, along the lines again of relationship building, Mm -hmm. that it's, you know, it's all building for the long term um, and for sustainability. You know, I, I think what you're saying should, should be very clear to us. Like the, it's about your brand and who putting out who you are is really important. And especially with social media, people don't want to just talk to the big business style. There's no actual conversation or personality. They want to really see who you are. And I, I think what you're saying is exactly right. It's good for building your brand and sorry to sound like a terrible, evil businessman here, but like you said, they're they're tagging their friends or the people who could use this. Like mm-hmm. they are doing free marketing for you by you putting out something that did not cost any ad money and all that is going out there to, to spread the word um, because of something that you are doing for the betterment of people. <laughs> like it's, right. They're not in conflict with each other, which is something I battle with internally very frequently of like yeah. anytime I'm thinking about doing something business-wise, I have to be like, well, this isn't evil. It's like this, I, this is a good thing that we're trying to do. Um, so that's something I deal with. Um, yeah. But, but um, something else you had said during your speech was how you can, and this is a little bit more uh, pie in the sky e pie in the sky esque. But <laughs> if you are collecting uh, numbers, doing outtakes, all that stuff, or intake outtake, um, you can actually collect some data and even really rough numbers and put that out towards the public of the good that you are doing as well um, and raise awareness that way. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Which I really dug, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, so a lot of that has come from, um, again, with my education, it's really valuable. Um, So we talk about outputs versus outcomes. So frequently, you know, people point to outputs, which are those just base numbers. So as, um, you know, I think Brian might have mentioned in the Rise episode, you know, we floated 30 veterans this month. That doesn't, I mean, that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's cool. if that's you great. can have, <laughs> right, like that's lovely. Yeah. It, and it really is. It but, really is. <laughs> um, but if you can have some extra data, which, you know, of course, ideally, it could have some kind of scientific validation. Um, Mm. But, you know, getting something out there, so measuring a feeling of, you know, calmness, you know, or um, overall sense of well-being, Um, even checking in with those folks, maybe the next day or two days later, you know, giving them a call, being like, hey, rate your sleep for me, you know, like, I don't know, we haven't done that, but I think again, to me, it comes back to, it doesn't have to be a whole big ordeal, you know, Mm -hmm. just finding other different ways to tell the story. So when I was talking about outputs being 30 veterans, outcomes are changes in behavior. Um, So, you know, in 
the very nitty gritty outcomes, it's, you know, uh, those are certain goals that you're shooting for. So you would hope to see a 30% increase in, you know, feelings of well-being uh, sure. in three months. But instead, okay. if you can say we had 30 veterans report an increase, you know, you don't even have to have a percentage. Mm -hmm. But I think that that says more than we floated 30 veterans. Right, right, right. Got it. So, you know, even if you ask them two questions afterward, you know, mm -hmm. if you say, how are you feeling right now? If they say, my body has never felt so relaxed in my life, um, or I feel like I could go to sleep right now. And if you yeah. have several people say that, you know, and it, I don't, I don't feel that that's false advertising. You know, it's saying that these people who floated with us, who are veterans reported that this happened for them. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and if people want to challenge you on validity of your experiment, right. you know, it doesn't hurt to be transparent. We're, we're sharing the story of the people who are coming to float with us. Yeah, and, and even though there are statistics and numbers, I feel like this is much more storytelling than it is a true yes. research project. Correct. And, not... and I think that it can ultimately lend towards some of those greater projects because, sure. you know, the more anecdotal evidence that we can build yes, that absolutely. looks similar, um, you know, the more we can generate excitement around what's happening, in my opinion. I agree with your opinion. Uh, before we get going here, I want to ask you, um, first, is there anything else that you want to share with the community before we sign off? Yeah. Um, so really, I'm most interested now in understanding what it is that everybody's doing. I know people are doing this work, whatever it looks like. It can look so many different ways. Um, and I just want to understand those stories. Um, so that I can kind of have a bigger idea of what's going on in our industry and figure out where there might be some gaps, where the strengths are, where there might be some challenges, and then be able to share that with everyone, mm -hmm. um, you know, and figure out as well how I might be able to best support people in creating something, um, even just processing, you know, what does this look like in my community? So I am... Um, have created a short survey. It's a Google form um, that I will plan to send to you, Dylan, and maybe it can great. go in the show notes or something yep. along those lines. Mm -hmm. I think we'll post um, it on social media as well. Great. And so anybody who's interested in kind of what we've been talking about today or, um, you know, if you want to receive any further information or, you know, hearing other people's stories about the work that they're doing, go ahead and submit your response in the survey. You know, kind of just asks about what are you doing, what do you need to be more intentional about measuring social impact in your center and your community? Um, and also, you know, how would you like to receive this information in the future? What works best for you? Um, and from there, you know, I hope to be able to have a better picture of what's going on and have us all kind of move forward in a more intentional way. I think that's really what I'm looking that. to do is recognize all of that. Beautiful. I love that. I feel like that makes me feel even better about this episode because I feel like like this only makes me want to deep dive even more with you on like actually like really how what's the nitty gritty? How what are the exact steps? And so I feel like this episode is more of a springboard Absolutely. to start that conversation. And so I strongly encourage anybody who's feeling inspired by this. And I will tell you that not everybody listens the week an episode comes out. So people will be filling out this form yeah. over time. 
Absolutely. Please, even if you're listening to this a year later, uh, jump to the <laughs> excuse me, jump to the show notes and uh, fill out the survey and uh, yeah. and also check in to see where we are now <laughs> or where she's at now <laughs> right. with, with this. But um, I think that's awesome to see to gauge the community and and see how the community can move forward with this as well. Oh, that's so exciting! I love that. Uh, is there anything else? <laughs> no, I, th- I think that's it. Um, I'm okay. really looking forward to hearing what everyone has to share. I think that we all have a lot to contribute mm-hmm. and um, to share with one another and move forward with this together. Yeah, I feel like there's so many inspired float centers out there. I think um, so many float center owners are doing this for this really heart-centered reason. And the idea that we could combine our um, our hearts and our resources to do something for our communities, uh, or, or even if it's not all one big project, just to help educate and allow other centers to do their thing with more grace and ease would just be mm, beautiful. I would, that's just, <laughs> I'm giddy, I'm getting excited. Uh, <laughs> Hillary, thank you so much for joining us this evening. I, I truly, genuinely appreciate it, and I, I think the rest of our community will really appreciate it as well. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. All right, before we go, I want to thank FloatAway for supporting the show. They now have a manufacturing plant in the United States, which means it's even easier for them to get a float tank to your front door. FloatAway USA will be the manufacturing brand, will be manufacturing brand new products in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You might have heard of Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And they are now creating the original 10-foot diameter float pool named the Serenity by Dr. Feinstein. Uh, but not only do they have float tanks like the float cabins, the tranquility, all that good stuff, but they also have uh, vibration pads, starlights in the float tanks, a lot of modifications. Uh, he, Colin doesn't rest on his laurels. So uh, certainly check these guys out. Incredible float tanks. Floataway.com is where you want to go. And again, bringing up relationships. These are two amazing people that you want to be in a relationship with if you are buying a float tank. In closing, thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. Thanks for making it to the end. Thanks to our Patreon supporters. Truly appreciate it. We are available for consulting, artofthefloat.com forward slash consulting. Gloria Morris is also consulting with us as well. Thanks for supporting us through Amazon as well. Clicking the Amazon link on the right side of artofthefloat.com means that uh, you go through a portal and anything you purchase helps support us, which improves our audio. So thank you so much for that. And thanks to Kim Hannon for taking our show notes every week. Appreciate it so much. And remember, everybody, there's an infinite amount to find in the presence of nothing. So spend some time there. We'll see you next week.